What's happening, weirdos? I can't believe it. It's a big one. Adam Sandler. So excited that he's on the podcast. As I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. Just a couple things to mention here up top. Every episode of this podcast is brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web, CBD, hemp oil. Get yourself some calm gummies. I think we could all use some calm in our lives. And if you want 10% off, go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY19. Uh, for those of you that are new to this podcast, which I'm assuming is some of you because bigger guests sometimes draw in uh, new people. Um, first of all, sorry for the audio quality here in the intro. This is me on my phone. Uh, the episode itself sounds better. I don't do traditional ads. I only promote things that I call my Pete's Picks. These are uh, products that I actually use and actually love. The first one is Living Libations is a Pete's Pick. Living Libations has been my skincare company for the past eight years or so. I realized that I'm very mindful of what I put in my body, but I wasn't being very careful about what I was putting on my body, which of course has absorbed through your skin into your body. But for a long time, I, I just didn't know better. I was buying shaving cream and face washes that I thought were fancy or good because they were expensive or, or French, but they were actually, of course, made with harmful chemicals that are linked to disease and toxicity and just a lot of stuff that was never intended for humans. So I want to eat food where I recognize the ingredients, and I want my skin products to be the same way. So I started using Living Libations. I started with their ginger exfoliating scrub. Pro tip, if you're, if you're a dude and you're shaving your face, exfoliate first. It might be the same for ladies. I can only speak for dudes shaving whatever. <laughs> I always exfoliate first. And the ginger exfoliating scrub is not some like middle of the road uh, healthy alternative. This is the most serious exfoliating scrub I've ever found. It is perfect and does the job fast and it's made with plants and oils and extracts that I recognize as real and natural and it's wonderful. I moved on from there to Zen Shave. That's their shaving cream, which is so clean and natural and moisturizing. You can actually use a dab of it as aftershave, not some anonymous neon blue goo shot out from a pressurized can. It's, it's so good for you. You can rub it into your skin when you're done. And at night, I use the best skin ever moisturizer, which smells great, feels great, and leaves your skin looking and feeling fantastic. I use that before bed. But the good news is, whatever you need, face, body, eyes, teeth, even baby products, Living Libations has a premium top shelf natural and wonderful product to replace the random chemical nightmare they sell at 7-Eleven. So go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRD and you'll get 20% off and show your support of this podcast. Speaking of what you do uh, put in your body, I've been living, as you guys know, on Kachava these past few months, going to the store less, uh, getting less fresh stuff, trying to be super safe. But the way I'm getting the nutrition that my body has come to crave, I have been living on cachava. Cachava is a plant-based superfood drink mix. People who are curious about eating plant-based, I always point them to start with cachava. It's 100% plant-based. It's got omega-3s from chia seed and flaxseed. It's got eight super fruits. It's got 17 greens and veggies in the bag. It's gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners or preservatives, 24 grams of plant-based protein, and nine grams of fiber. But here's the kick. It's actually delicious. My wife loves it. Val loves it. That's my wife. <laughs> it's not two people. Uh, it tastes like a chocolate or vanilla 
um, milkshake, basically. You can also make it with just water. You can make it with almond milk, frozen strawberries, tastes like a chocolate strawberry milkshake that keeps you full for five hours and makes you feel an incredible nutrition high. A wonderful uh, mood elevation from the raw cacao, maca root for vitality. I mean, the ingredients go on and on. It's incredible. More nutrition in one serving that I would wager most people get in a month. So try it. Uh, 20% off. And show your support of the show and get 20%. Go to Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird. Speaking of superfoods and superfruits, I have been thriving off of Noni New Age's uh, Tahitian Noni juice. Tahitian, this is new to me for the past couple months now. I've been taking a four ounce shot of Tahitian Noni juice twice a day. Uh, Tahitian noni is a superfruit known for its medicinal properties and used by healers for thousands of years as an ancient health remedy. But now it's been scientifically proven to boost immune activity, naturally enhance energy and support overall wellness. But even better than that, they have published and peer-reviewed studies of clinical double-blind trials with placebo that show four ounces twice a day, which is what I do, 30% NK cell increase. That's 30% more natural killer cells that help your immune system stay powerful. I take it in conjunction with their uh, with their supplement, which they also sell called Cell Defense. Normally, a bottle, a one liter bottle of Tahitian noni juice and a bottle of Cell Defense, which is helpful to fight your uh, in um, your excuse me your body's inflammation. I always get that word jumbled. Uh, is normally $100, but you can get both a one-liter bottle and a bottle of Cell Defense. Keep your body healthy, keep your immune system up and running at peak performance for just $40. And guess what? Show your support of this always free podcast. Go to noninewage.com slash weird40 and you'll get both for 40 bucks. Just the 40. All right, guys, that's it. Those are the Pete's Picks. I swear by them. I love them. I enjoy them. I take them. I hope you enjoy all of those. And I hope you enjoy my chat with the incredible Adam Sandler. Get into it. The worst thing is, Pete. Sandy. You know you know why that, that took so long? Tell I, me. I never, uh, pre-corona, used to wash my hands after the peeing. And now <laughs> it, it, I, I have to do it. They tell me I have to do it. I uh, I don't know if you're you're exaggerating, but I will wash my hands after I touch something in the house, as if something in the house could have had it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'll touch the door handle, and oh, then yeah. I'll go and wash my hands. I, I I'm not that compulsive, but there's somebody out there that's like, you know, how people walk into Cologne, they're walking into Lysol every ten minutes. They have to be. Uh, yeah, I was more in the beginning than I. The last couple of days. Are we starting? You want to yeah, start? we, yeah, we'll just start. I, let's yeah. do it. I, w- I was definitely more uh, the first maybe three weeks. Anytime I would accidentally touch a container, I was like, oh, man, what am I doing? And I'd wash up, and I'd be like, did I just fucking get it? Am I going to give it to some yep. member now? But I'm a slightly less hysterical, but uh, still pretty nuts. How are your girls doing? How old are your daughters? 11 and 13. How about you? My daughter is 18 months. She's almost 19 months. That's right. That's right. You and I are friends with Jed, and every time I talk to him, 
he's always kind of joking about how like his daughters will bring over a friend and he's like, who's this friend? Is this like, is this person clean? Like, so like it's hard yeah. when the girls have their own lives. They're bringing, they, he's bringing over, uh, he's bringing, having kids come over because we're not, we literally haven't had anybody. We had a kid across the street. Uh, one of, one of my older daughter's friends came by the other day and we did like a 25 foot across the street conversation. That was, yeah. but that's, that's about it, man. We've been locked down. I think Jed would prefer it that way, but then Iris, I, I, I believe, I, I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to ask him if he minds me telling this, but like yeah. Iris will be like, she's been in quarantine, Dad. You know how he does. I know, yeah, I know, I know. It's funny. <laughs> I, I still don't, tr- I, I, I'm just like, I'm so quarantined that when I see other people not 100% doing it, I'm like, is that, that how you're supposed to do it? I thought it was supposed to be no, but nobody's allowed over, man. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely nuts. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm jumping, man. I I fucking with with everything with uh, getting food. Like we pick up food sometimes from restaurants. Yep. They throw it in the back of my van and stuff. That that I'm like, okay, the van is fucking ten feet from where I am to way back there. So I think that's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm panicked about everything. <laughs> no, I think that's uh, sort of how you should be. My wife is more uh, social. Than I am. I'd actually. I wish. I, <laughs> I wish I was more that way. I, I figured out from all of this that I'm. I'm definitely like an extrovert. At least have extrovert qualities. How are you with that? Like, cause she's like dying to see friends. She's currently in the kitchen cooking for a friend that just had a baby, and they're gonna oh, wow. drop it off, and they're gonna send her all the love that they can in all the ways that they can. And I'm just like, I sort of love this. Like, you walk around and it's quiet, and yeah. and still, are you that way? My my wife too likes likes her, uh, being her, with her friends and stuff, and they um, and she she's not too too doesn't go too nuts with it. She she's also good at just hanging out in the house, but uh, she has brought it up over the last six weeks or so more than I have. I don't I don't mind uh, not seeing anybody. I'm okay. <laughs> I, I like sit sitting here. Uh, I do have a uh, my work ethic is gone. I'm not, I ain't doing shit. I have have phone calls and stuff and we try to jam on comedy stuff and writing and stuff, but I'm not as, I can't focus as like I used to. Not, not at this time. How about you? You know what it is? It's planning a birthday party for someone who isn't even born yet. It's like, you want to pitch a movie? It's like, when are we going to shoot this movie? You know what I mean? And and that sort of makes me sad. It's like planning something. You don't even know if you should be planning it. That's so funny. That's so on the money. I know. I I definitely, even when you come up with a funny joke and you write down in your little thing of jokes, you're just like, I'm not that excited that I got a good joke all of a sudden. (laughs) I'm just like, what what am I fucking thinking about that for? It's just, you feel a little little off. A joke used to be a potential for a moment that you could experience that night. So you get excited. Oh my god! I would get I get excited on a good joke. To I'll, I'll text a friend the joke, and <laughs> if he writes, you know, laughed or whatever the fuck you respond to, I'm just like, ah, that feels good. Yeah, uh, not not haven't been doing any of those lately. It's interesting though. I my whole comedy career. I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable. I've always been like, I love what Sandler's doing, specifically that you make movies with your friends, things like yeah. Grown Ups and stuff. Right. People that you love, you clearly yeah. love working with uh, Jennifer Aniston. We we watched Murder Mystery last night, by the way. I loved it. I think you'll know, uh, as a parent yourself, 
I have the 18-month-old baby. We stayed up till 11 to finish it. I threw, oh. I threw it on at uh, 9.30, and I was like, you know, I'm interviewing Sandler tomorrow. I just want to watch something new that he's done, you know, just kind of be uh, up to date. That's good. We loved it. I'm not just saying that. I'm, That's nice. I thought it was phenomenal and, and one of those rare comedies that gets better as it goes. That's not, that's not code for saying it. It's, it's great the whole way, but the third act is usually this slump and there's this amazing action and set. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. And there were some good jokes in there at the end. Yeah, that was nice. And great jokes. I was aiming for his foot. Was that in the script? Probably, probably. <laughs> I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, that that was fun. You know what's great about a movie like that? Everybody gets to be funny in it. There's yep. like eight funny people, so yep. you feel excited. Like I'm excited. By the way, when Aniston's around, I'm like, oh shit, she's gonna be funny. I, I can I can sit back and enjoy this instead of worried about like, oh goddamn, I better better come yeah. up with jokes here. But it was not. It was. It's nice to have. You know, everybody in that movie is legitimately funny. Anyways, that that's always... I hear that, though. I felt that way when we were doing Crashing, if I was with somebody that I really respected or that I knew was really going to bring it. Yeah. But, you know, they say that about, like, playing tennis, play with somebody that's better than you. That's yeah. what I really gets me really excited. And you can oh see it. God, yes, 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 for sure. For sure. When you're with a great comedian or a great uh, actor... Those days on the set go so much better. Yeah, you're, just, you're better. You're just like, oh fuck, I, I'm I'm kind of in in a better rhythm right now. I don't want to waste too much time buttering your bread, but like your got you guys' chemistry is incredible. And then I watched Uncut Gems today because oh, I wasn't fuck. I wasn't anxious enough. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> not a good one for the quarantine. I know it's ten. Does it freak you out? I mean, the music alone, you're just like Jesus yeah. Christ. I know that music is fucking overwhelming. Yes, it's just a yes. guaranteed mood changer. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure, man. But, I think it's it's on it's on uh, Netflix. Uh, I think at the end of May, and I'm like, oh man, that's just a weird timing for people to be at home watching that thing too much. Hilarious, isn't it? Funny that we used to crave like my life's a little too ordinary and too boring. Yeah, I really- yeah. I need like a stressed out jeweler in New York to get some excitement in here. Now I'm like, exactly. me and my daughter watch Mr. Rogers, dude, it's good for me too. It's just a calm guy being like, your feelings are okay. And I'm like, this is what we should all be watching right now. It's so funny. I, I walked into the room when my family's had a intenser type of movie on. And I walk and I go, what are we doing? Why are we watching this right now? You get, yeah. uh, something, put on something light, you know? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be all fucked up right now. But uh, that's Murder Mystery, again, was phenomenal. And it was lifestyle porn, like just people hanging out, people traveling. We were like, remember yeah. that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I have so many friends in Italy now because of that movie. Whoa! I get texts from them telling me about the day-to-day stuff and what's going on there, and wow. the food and the feel, and holy shit! And these areas are getting hit. I, I was in some, but like so many people have have For been sure. in Italy, but but fuck, it's sad. It's terrible. It's sad everywhere. For sure. I was wondering because I modeled my my goals. I was like, I want, I just want to because of the quality of life, not the money, not the fame. I was like, making funny shit with your friends yes. is the best, and and yes. I saw yes. you doing that, and that's why that was my goal. 
I, I, I was wondering, it's a little bit of a leading question because I know we're craving being with our friends now, but are you happy on set? Because I know when you're wearing a bunch of different hats, you're producing, you're writing, you know, whatever yeah. your involvement is, it can be very stressful even when it is fun. Yeah, you, you live that, yeah. I did. Do you, do you like it when you're, on, when you're in the movie? Is it hard for you? It's a, um, it's, I notice my friends have more fun than me. <laughs> you know, they're all getting to shoot the shit and walk yeah. onto the set with just like what, what what the hell scene are we doing right now i'm just like you fucking don't know your fucking lines right now yeah, you know, yeah. I, I i get a little of that but uh i i enjoy by the way my favorite part is calling up uh, a friend and saying hey man what are you doing in june we got some shit got some yeah good- shit coming and sending them the script and if they call back and go, oh man, I loved it or, or, or I got some good thoughts on this and blah, blah, blah. And just knowing you're going to take off and go away and try to make something funny together. I, then yeah. It's a great feeling. But but as a, as a guy who's involved with all the shit, I can have my moments of being tense. A fucking shooting day, I have maybe uh, half of it, I'm in a great mood, having the best time. And the other half, I'm a little like, God damn it, we got to do this shit. We got to, yeah, like, like, like you know. Everybody. No, I do know. I appreciate you being honest about that. Not that I wanted you to be miserable, but I'm like, it can't just be fun. I know that behind it, you're doing something. You're making your day. You're yeah, you're shooting yeah. a lot of that. Like Murder Mystery was a lot outside. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a tight schedule. These are a lot of extras, fucking moving parts, cars yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I was like. It, I, I relaxed on, on Murder Mystery, Kyle, who directed it, and, and Aniston, and uh, Colbert, uh, who produced it, and all the producers. Everybody was all over that movie that I was a little more relaxed than I, I usually am. Okay. I, uh, fucking Aniston, she, she, she got, got in there. She took She's it. She's a pro. She meant meant a lot and so i was like all right jen we would do little jam sessions on the on the script sometimes and and uh, and the guy who wrote the movie was there too uh uh vanderbilt and um we we we, it was it was different than my other movies i sat back and enjoyed that a little little uh i know i know we let the other guys do a lot of the work that's incredible. We, all the call. This is a very specific question. You'll forgive me though. Um, the the callbacks at the end. Judd and I were just talking about something that you and he had talked about. I think, which was just this film theory that you watch the movie and then the biggest laugh you want to call it back at the end. So Judd had worked with some producers and directors that are like, always call the best joke back at the end. So you do a reshoot. So you don't know what the best laugh is. <laughs> Dude, again, I'm sorry I keep buttering your bed, but the ham jokes, the ham jokes in that movie were so funny. And then the movie... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good, yeah. The movie seemed to know that that was one of the big laughs, and then it gets called back at the end. So my very specific question is, was that a reshoot, or did, did they just no. know... We had the ham in there. The ham, we, we believed in the ham. <laughs> we believed in that, Pete. You know, it's funny. When I did Billy Madison... Uh, uh, Tim Hurley. We never wrote a movie before. That was the first one, and Tim Tim did most of it. I had the idea for Billy. I had some thoughts, you know, like dodgeball and that kind of stuff. And uh, but Hurley, he had the idea for Steve Buscemi to to be a, a guy who I picked on or something, and then 
he yeah. and saves me at the end. Uh-huh. And, and that was like our first thing of like mentioning, showing a guy earlier in the movie, getting some laughs out of him and then bringing him out of nowhere to the ending. Right. And, right. Part. and that was, that was early. And I was, and I remember reading reading when he sent me those pages going, oh, that's hilarious that that guy comes back. Because he blah. snipes the guy, right? I right, mean, right, yeah. right. Yes, exactly. And it but was Buscemi, so it was fun to see Buscemi. I, that's a very memorable moment. But th- that is something that you've tried to do in the movies, just for the people that are interested in the craft. Is, is sure, to- sure. I'm sure we land on that a lot, man. I've done too many movies not to say I've done something a lot. I've done, I, 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 <laughs> you, do look for, you do look for a guy who who knocks one out of the park on page 40 and you go, Hey, let's bring that fucking guy. We need him now. <laughs> that, that is sort of one of my most interesting questions. I'm 41 now. And I'm very interested when I talk to people that are as prolific as you, why keep doing it? That's why I was sort of like, do you enjoy it? Yeah. I know you have your work ethic that you got from your father. You've been vocal about that and, and that you I, also I, just have. Sure. You, you have a staggering amount of content, what is the mission statement behind that? What what, what drives you? That's good. Uh, um, I I I don't know if I'm as driven as I was a couple of years ago. I think I've slowed down a little bit or cha- changed it up a little bit. Uh, the the stand up thing all of a sudden when I was putting that special together, I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is exciting again. Something was making me feel so happy about going to the clubs and and writing jokes late at night, like, you know, one in the morning and writing shit on my phone and, and being like, oh, I can't wait to say that joke, like we were saying. Yeah. And, uh, and then movie-wise, uh, I don't know what keeps me fucking going. I, I, there's a lot of times when I'm finishing a movie that I go, okay, this I, I got to take a big break, man. I, I got to <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I'm losing my mind. And then literally a week two later, I'm like, shit, man, what the fuck am I doing? I got to I gotta come up with some material. Quick, I got to write a movie. I got to get, why is nobody casting me? I got to, you know, I get as jumpy as I used to. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, there's a drive. So like, it's yeah. funny, the early Sandler, because I, I was talking to Dave Rath, who's your friend and my manager, about yeah. early Sandler. When you were on stage, you'd be very meek and almost sort of like leaning into how nervous and <laughs> yeah, right, jumpy right, right. But I'm like, whenever I talk, a lot of my friends have personas like that. And I'm like, or like me, like, oh, I'm just a nice guy. Sure. But underneath that, there's something very itchy, right? I mean, there's something that's like, I got to make some shit. I got to like. Yeah, very much like you. I mean, when I was at the uh, uh, club with with you, uh, maybe a month and a half or two months ago, right? Right before all this shit happened. You just fucking wanting the jam on jokes and giving me jokes and being like good with that. By the way, I was never like that. Apatow was. He, I would watch other people and be like, "Fuck, all right, I better write better shit." Apatow would say, "Hey, you know that one joke you say? Maybe you could say this." I was like, Is he "Giving me shit? What the fuck's he giving me shit for?" I didn't understand that. I was like, "Aren't we all in it to, to kick ass and come up with our own shit?" I didn't know we we're allowed to help each other. Yeah. Colin Quinn used to help me. Colin yeah. Quinn was, when I used to do the Paper Moon, Colin Quinn used to host a show. It, it became the Boston Comedy Club. But yeah, that's I, where I started in New York, yeah. You started at the Boston Comedy the yeah. one upstairs, mm-hmm. right? So downstairs was a little room. I'm sure you heard of it, Paper Moon. Quinn used to have a show there. I was going to NYU, 
And uh, I was like 17 or 18. I used to go on stage there. And he used to give me so many thoughts on my act and tell me shit. And he fucking was just a good person to me and helped, yeah. uh, helped uh, me redirect my thinking and, and stop uh, or come up, uh, talk about New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, talk about, say, talk about where you're from, being Jewish and living in New Hampshire and blah, 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 and maybe think differently. I wasn't, I, I, didn't, I wasn't aware about helping other guys out. I was so fucking lost in my own world. But I like your way better. Right. <laughs> well, that that did come later. I mean, like you start to enjoy it, like doing a crossword with somebody. For me, uh-huh. coming coming up with the premise can be hard for me. Like not hard, but like I get a good premise maybe once a month. A, a good premise will hit me. And you, uh-huh. I watched your special again. It's fucking phenomenal. And the premises are just really rich and really fun to riff on. So I think that's that's probably part of it. You know, right. you're, a good, you're a great premise guy. That's not to say you're not a great punchline guy, but you have these, like, rich kind of playgrounds to play around in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's, I, I didn't do this. When I was young, I used to write my own jokes. Or I had a couple of guys who I was friends with from growing up that would say, hey, I wrote a joke today. I'd say, what is it? And I'd riff off of that. Or Tim Hurley, he used to write shit for me a lot. Yeah. I kind of was in my own world of writing my own jokes. Now I have three or four guys that I jam with on jokes and I like I do like coming up with premises that mean something to me or connect with me and then coming up with a punchline on my own or calling these guys up and saying I got this what the fuck could I say here that's right there's something there's something interesting about watching your stand-up though um like like red hooded sweatshirt right right there's something very I don't know uh if I say simple, it makes it sound like I'm saying stupid, but Red Hooded Sweatshirt is simple, sure. and, and it's a classic. And Opera Man is sort of simple, and it's a classic. And your stand-up has that flavor, the guy peeing in the shower, even though his kids... Right, right, right. yeah, that, that was Dan Bula. That, he, he wrote that one, but, but yes, yes. But that's your voice, certainly. Right, we're, right, we're, man. Man, Dan Bula knows how to write my voice. I, this guy, <laughs> I love him. That's the guy who plays piano with me on stage he just what a lucky thing Pete I, I called uh, my manager and I said uh, I'm thinking of, I think maybe I want to start doing stand-up again this is after I started doing it with Apatow yeah Apatow got me back into it because he he was doing Carnegie Hall and he said you want to go on and I was there I saw that you were there yeah you yeah. went on no no I didn't go on I was uh, in the audience somebody else went. Berbiglia went on oh yeah 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 he destroyed yeah. Yeah, I remember going. Oh fuck! That's a he. He's got a real comedy rhythm, man. He knows what he's doing. I, what the fuck am I doing here? But uh, but, but uh, once I started getting in, in, into it again, I called my manager and I said, "I, I, I kind of want to be able to do this with somebody in the songs and shit." You guys at at Brillstein have any anybody? And he said, "We just signed this new kid. Uh, I think two days ago or something like wow. that." Wow! Wow! Sent me one of his or like two or three of his songs. I was like, oh shit, I love this guy. Let's meet. And so I've been jamming with him ever since. He writes for Saturday Night Live now. He's doing good. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, he was great. I met him at Largo and he really like synced up with you really, really well. Yeah, yeah. But, but not, not to, we say sometimes, I love this quote, where if you want the song, don't dissect the bird, right? If you dissect the bird, you kill the bird, you don't get the song. So let's not get too heady about it. But it seems deliberate in your movies and your standup. You're like, Let's not get too fancy about it. Let's do it well. Right. Let's be sophisticated. 
like the jokes can have interesting turns and and good language and or whatever you want, but you right. want it to be something like 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 uh relationships are fucking weird or being a dad is weird or whatever it is, just so right. everyone's invited that seems yeah, to be yeah. part of your of what you're about i I think so I think so I think um like joke wise i I guess every subject's kind of hit already everybody's got we, we all kind of say similar stuff from our lives. I guess I try to say an, a, a thought that we all uh, say and, and, and talk about with the, our friends and then try to come up with some off rhythm ending for it. That that's, that's a lot of my jokes are like it's that. It's perfect. I mean, like it sounds again, it's going to sound like, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm putting it down, but it's like a, a smelly cab driver. You, you said it, we've said everything. Like the 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 premise, cab drivers, Uber drivers are smelly or whatever, is as old as cab drivers. I'm sure they had it in ancient Egypt. Like that guy with the dog with the I couldn't tell if it was the horse or if it was him. Like we've had that observation, but you do it in a rhythm and in a style. This I'm sorry to keep bringing up red hooded sweatshirt, but what is red hooded sweatshirt if not a way of saying, look, it's not really what I'm saying, it's how I'm saying it, it's how I'm delivering it. It's how much of you you can transmit through a silly premise like that. There is effort, and it's and it's interesting, but it doesn't necessarily need to be like navel gazy or political or or shocking. It's just kind of, it's like your old prank phone calls, like at the beginning of uh, Funny People. It's like let's just have some fucking fun, but you've That's, maintained that. You know, I gotta say, the reason I never get political is. Whenever a political conversation is going on, hang on. I'm sorry. What? Tell me. Uh, you can do do uh, the hat, but yeah, I printed up the stuff upstairs. It, it, it's in the in the, on the printer. The some some she sent. I don't know what it is. Go check it. Out. Oh, it's here. All right, I'm doing a podcast, kid. Love you. Say, say hi. Say hi to Pete. That's Sadie. Hi, Sadie. You look like the universe. Oh, there you are. Okay, sorry, Bubby. I go do you think? Uh, what the heck was I saying, Pete? I'm sorry. We were saying red hooded and similar oh. jokes. Oh, don't get political. You, oh yeah, the reason I was saying like the reason my comedy ended up not getting too but hi, buddy. Let's go up, go up. <laughs> no She's problem. Got it. I, I said um, in real life when Apatow, when my buddies, when we're all hanging out, they get heavy political stuff and I, I, I legitimately just sit and listen because I I, I just I, I don't really think what I have to say is that uh, swift I'm just kind I, know, of, I know what you mean by that I'm like I could see this but there's 5,000 people voicing my opinion for me right it's in not, a way that they articulate it better yes than they say it right I go oh I'm fucking glad that guy said that I don't I but I don't really come out and say anything that smooth in that area and then when I'm when I'm hanging out, I like to be funny. I like to say, make people laugh. I like to come out of uh, left field, I guess, and, and say something that no one else has changed subjects abruptly, whatever. And um, I guess that's why my, my uh, comedy's always been a little less political, a little less deep, and a little more silly. Fuck it is. Silly, I find silly yeah. is. Yeah. Maybe my favorite thing in the world. Oh yeah, you laugh the hardest at it. Yeah, it's yes. so, like Sandy Sandy Wexler. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, t- I emailed Dave to email you. I believe he passed it on. That I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I love that one too. And when I say silly, 
That's yeah, a compliment. Goofy, yeah. I do funny with people. I do funny. My wife and I are silly. We're dancing. We're putting on stu- – we're doing bits so much. I, I don't even mean bits. Bits are like, yeah, you know, decaf. Where'd the caffeine go? I, not like an observation. I just mean like a move or like, yeah. oh, I, I'm, I'm the guy that doesn't know the people on the TV can't hear me or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't have to be good if it's making us laugh and it's if it's keeping our child side alive. That's true. I, I live by that still. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to. I, my kids are starting to do that make, and it remind me of why uh, I kind of led this way with, with comedy. When I, when I was a kid, there were catchphrases we had with your friends, literally yeah. in the fourth grade, just you would say that I, there was one thing my friend Sean Wallace, when we were like in fifth grade, we saw some some man say uh, he was, oh, we w- went to Boston one day and some guy, older man goes, you see that? To me and my friend Sean, you see that right right up there, right above the, uh, the, the dock there? And then we were like, yeah. He goes, that's a tail of a tuna. And he didn't say <laughs> tail of a tuna, he said tail of a tuna. So we were like, that's a what? He goes, that's a tail of a tuna. And my friend goes, I'm sorry, man, I don't hear you. What, what is it? He goes, it's a tail of a tuna. And so me and Sean literally, our whole life, every time I saw the kid, we'd be like, you see that? That's, that's your tail. And we'd laugh for five minutes. And so that's basically stuck. I love it. I This this is what that made come to mind. I was at a restaurant in Rhode Island in the Italian section, North End, right, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, so a fancy restaurant. I'm like 20 years old. Like, you just remember when you were 20? You shouldn't be in this nice restaurant. Like, it's just, it's just wrong. There's four 20-year-olds drinking Cokes and ordering noodles. <laughs> you stand out, right. Exactly. And then the waiter was also our age and he was trying to be a fancy waiter. But like, because we were the same age, I'm like, I know you. <laughs> like, you're, you're in college too and you're just pretending, like, just because you're wearing a tuxedo. And I got the giggles so hard. This is my tale of a tuna. I got the giggles so hard as he was reading the specials. And I tried with all my might to look up at him. I was like, Pete, stop laughing and look at him. You're embarrassing yourself. And I looked up just as he looked at me and he went, and that's baked in the oven. And I, I, to this day, I don't even care if people don't know what I'm talking about. I'll say, and that's baked in the oven. It's 20 years ago. That's Tale of a Tuna. That's like silly is too light or 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 uh, dismissive of a word. It, it's like a precious thing to stay silly, to stay sure, play. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you just you can't tell people to. It's either you're gonna be like that type of person or not. Right. Who 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 wants to stay light? I mean, when there's fucking hostility going on in my family, I definitely I try to either I jump into hostility as loud as anybody you've ever heard. Or, or I uh, try to fucking get the, let's get let's get off that subject quickly. Say something silly, and hopefully somebody laughs, so we can get out of this fucking hell. That's of- right. I developed that skill hard. In fact, I I remember my first bit was putting my face in the cake and ice cream at birthday parties. Like I, I was like six yeah. six years old, and I was like, if you do that, everyone laughs. Ah, uh, yeah. And dude, I swear to God, I remember feeling. Uh, put upon 
after I had done it like 10 times, being at a birthday party and like, they want me to do the bit. They want, (laughs) (laughs) can't I just enjoy the party? I got to do the bit. I did the bit. All right, but then when it got the big laugh, you're like, you know what? It was. It wasn't so bad. Well, that's that sort of leads to my next thing that I really was curious about you. If when you're not in the mood, right? If you're on set or you're doing uh, something like SNL, where there's a time, it's like you go on now. How do you? I asked this to Conan. I was like, how do you find it when you're not feeling it? Because you and I are both kids. But we're also grown men, and sometimes our grown men side comes in, and I feel pinched, and I feel angry, and oh, I yeah. hate it. Yeah. And there are things that I do to try and get back in that silly place, but I'm always looking to other people like you. Like, what do you do? That's a good one, man. I mean, I always had different sets growing up. When I was 20 doing stand-up, I had some sets where I killed, some sets that were atrocious, some sets that were like, unmemorable but you know got some laughs blah 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 and it definitely was the way i came up on stage and the mood i was in and i didn't realize it i didn't realize oh it. yeah i didn't go for a long time i was just like i got a show i gotta memorize these fucking jokes i gotta get on stage and say them and I, the times i came on in a great mood even when the shit was off i kept going and the audience was still like, all right, this guy's, at least the guy on stage is happy. Let's, let's join right. in. Right. And there were times when I was so fucking miserable and angry on stage. And like, you know, I'm sure you have this too. A lot of comedians were so sensitive with who's not laughing in the crowd when you're in the little clubs that I was on top of those assholes so much. I would say a joke, get a nice size laugh. I'd see a guy kind of staring at me. I'd be like, you all right, buddy? And, and I'd see other comedians after the show going, why were you yelling at that guy? <laughs> and I'd be like, well, what do you mean? What happened? You know, I was just, I, I had a fucking uh, guy who helped manage me. His name was Barry Moss. And he was a really nice guy. He was a casting agent when I was very young. And he said, I'm bringing some people to see you tonight. I said, oh, cool. He goes, do the nice Adam up there. I go, what do you mean? And he's like, do the nice at him. You sometimes get so mean up there that it's not fun to watch. And I was like, I think that's the first time someone pointed out to me that I have different moods on stage. Yeah. But then I started, the older I got, the more, I, in fact, when I started getting back into it now, I went, fucking just have a good time. What are you so jumpy about? Yeah. And last, lastly, on this babbling I'm doing, my wife, Saturday Night Live, when I went back to host it, she said the day of the show when I was, I was kind of jumpy, you know, you're jumpy. I wasn't, I was just getting to know the people in the cast. I was nervous about going out there and failing and just being like, uh, you know, sometimes your mind wanders off in the middle of uh, your, your stuff. I, you don't enjoy the moment. My wife goes, uh, everybody's pulling for you. These people are here. They like you. Just, yeah. just remember that before you got there. They like you. And I was like, Okay, yeah, you're right. No one wants you to fail. I mean, if you fail, sure, other comedians in life are like, well, I love love seeing you not do well. I'm sure that, that is that. But there's also the audience sitting in the crowd. They, they paid money or they, they got the tickets. So they're there. They're just like, I want to have fun. I don't want to see That's something right. bad happen. Just go out. And, everyone's rooting for you in the beginning. So just enjoy that. 
That's right. I, that's a really, that's what I was looking for was those things that we repeat to ourselves. Like they want you to do well. That's such a powerful thing to remember when you're doing standup is they want to laugh. They're ready to laugh. They, they got up early. They, they, they talked to each other that day. Said, well, go on to that show tonight. Let's go yeah. have a great time. Instead of like the thing that gets in your head sometimes just going, Oh fuck. What are they testing me again for? I right. mean, I, well, but that myself in this situation. That's that's young Pete. That's eight year old Pete going. I got to put my face in the cake. It's not about that. It's about an excuse and a, and a, and an opportunity to be fun and and be silly and to enjoy the bit. Enjoy the cake. There's cake on your face. Yeah, it's a yeah, good yeah, 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 yeah. Like have fun. But this is something we say on the show, or I say all the time, is like it's not about the words. And I was so happy with how you edited your special because you left in those moments where he fucks up the piano and then you fuck right, right. up the words. And I was like, that's a seasoned stand-up who gets that the show is whatever's happening. And right, you're, yes, and you're, that's right? That's well, the- don't, you, don't you always pop harder with something that randomly happens on stage? You're the, the crowd's laughing at your jokes. It's always fine. Something goes all wrong. You comment on it or something, something yes. annoys you out, blah, blah. Always the biggest laugh of the night is some fucking shit. Or your new joke that night. You always do better. Yes, because you're excited. You're just fucking, the audience is, just already sees your energy better all of a sudden because you're like saying something you didn't say 30 times. Already. That's in Judy Carter's, uh, when I was starting a stand-up, there's a book called Stand-Up Comedy, the book by Judy Carter. I, I don't I don't think it would necessarily I don't know if it aged well, but in the nineties I read it and uh-huh. she had this line that I love. She goes, uh, go on stage as if you're seeing a friend that you couldn't wait to tell them a story, like and you finally saw them. Like look at the audience. Yeah, that yeah, friend yeah, that you're sure. like, Oh Adam, I I can't believe I'm seeing you and you tell them with that sort of urgency. Uh, and that's how you do a new bit. Isn't that good? Oh man, it, it it's so funny. Sometimes the last couple of years I've been doing it, I will say a joke and I try to do extended jokes where I may be saying like a minute and a half babble joke. And then uh, I'll find a rhythm that's starting to work a little bit. And then sometimes in my brain, if I'm doing like I do the Hayworth Theater three nights in a row, I do, do it the first night. I also do this weird shit where I'm sure you do too. I go, maybe there's a repeat customer. <laughs> and, and I don't want him to think or her to think that I'm I'm say the same shit every night. So I fucking do this thing where it's going well, and then I go say a different line here in my brain. I just go blah blah blah. Oh no, I'm going down a different route here. Yeah. Holy shit! Imagine if I can come up with something good out of this. Not it usually doesn't go that great for me, but when it does, when you land. Yeah. You just get this burst of energy of like, holy fuck, I didn't know that was going to happen. It landed nice and all that. And that's owning even you trying to riff and the riff not working is yeah. is entertaining. It is the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're excited. What am I going to say? And yeah. this is what Bill Burr tried to tell me when I was opening for him. He's like, if something sucks, just own it. What what he didn't tell me is you have to be funny enough to own it. Like you need to have the confidence and all that stuff. So it does take it took me 10 years to get to a place where I could be like, well, that went nowhere. I sucked I my own dick. I suck or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I just do something silly to, to show them that you're not thrown by your own little uh, foible. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever happens is the show is such great advice. I fucking, I died so many times. Pete. I, I 
started off hot, uh, a couple of big jokes up top, and then all of a sudden nosedive. And when I was young and like my energy changed so much that the crowd owned me. Yeah, right oh, when the crowd yeah. owns you, you, you're dead. But yeah, that's right. My, my career was when I was young, I had so many moments, uh, huge moments in my career that went to complete shit because I fucking got hit. And and like what, what Bill Burr was saying, we just own that shit. And, and I, I don't think I owned it. I think you didn't know I, how. Well, I was spinning from it. Yeah, I mean, your body doesn't know how. Like, I, I've said this before, but like, I, I don't judge a bomb by if I'm not getting laughs. I judge a bomb by whether or not my back is sweating. Like, 100%, 100%. Right? I've had bomb sets where people say, how'd you do? And I go, oh, I did pretty good. Yeah. Then, yeah because I fucking stayed strong up there. Yeah. Then I've had sets where it sounded like it was going pretty well, but in my head, I'm, like I get back to the dressing room and somebody's like, you know, hey, uh, that, that was, you know, I like that joke. I go, oh, yeah? Like, I'm in a, I'm in a fucking daze. Just yeah. Like, no, I wasn't really there. I kind of lost my mind up there. That's exactly, we're having the same experience. And this is making me miss stand-up. I don't know if this is making you miss stand-up. Uh, yeah. It's making me miss it. Yeah. I would come home and Val, because I, I don't bore Val with the play-by-play of my shows. Uh, sometimes I do. But, like, she'll go, yeah. she'll go, how was it? And I go, I was good. Like that's, that's how, that's what I say. If the show was bad, I go, I was good. Or it was terrible, meaning we were both terrible, but if the crowd isn't with it, but I stay true. Yeah, it's the best. But I mean, that's an SNL thing. If, if it's not working in the house, it might be murdering yeah. millions of people. Oh, that's your favorite SNL skits were the ones that weren't getting that many laughs. But you, you know, Jack Handy used to have that a lot where, you just were at home going, oh, fucking, I get how great this, this shit is. No one else is getting it. This is my little secret or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I know. If you On SNL, if I stayed strong with the belief in a skit and it wasn't getting that, that big a last, I still was like, hey, that went great. But then when there, when there were times if I stuttered or I forgot my fucking next line or something weird happened and I'd fucking turn into a, a, you know, a crazy person out there where my head was spinning, um, Ah uh, man, I couldn't shake that shit. I was yeah. myself. I'm like, oh, that was humiliating. I know that feeling too well. I I also think it's funny that like dress rehearsal sketches. Like Will Ferrell has a he's a prospector. I don't even know what the setup, but he's like looking for gold in them hills. Uh-huh. It, was, it didn't even make the show, but the video of the dress. You know, I don't know if it has a two million uh-huh. views, but even that like found. Oh, and, and yeah, he's confident. He's he's incredible at being fucking true to just i believe this is funny you're not going to change my mind (laughs) (laughs) i think we've kind of found his core i mean that's that's part of his true talent i think speaking of of killing it when i'm watching uncut gems and you say i think i'm gonna come which is such a great line Yeah, yeah you kill it it is a funny line but i think you and i both know when you're doing something dramatic that there's still a rhythm an internal maybe are you giving yourself the chills are you feeling the emotion? Yes. Are you hitting the, the pace that you want, that you're imagining, that you think the director wants? Like, how? T- talk a little bit about the the way that you kill as a dramatic actor. How how stand up and comedy trained you for that for that for that other skill set? Because they seem similar to me. I don't want to lead you, but they seem similar. It's not surprising to me that Tom Hanks goes from you know his wacky stuff into you have a similar thing going. What, what were the parallels that you saw? How did comedy prepare you 
for saying for losing your mind in uncut gems or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, it's, it seems very comedic the 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 rhythm of of uh, uncut gems and I, I agree. Uh, even that uh, I'm gonna come or oh, I'm gonna come line. I gotta say <laughs> that was written. Those guys wrote it, and Josh Safdie. He said it to me one time. He goes, "Oh, today's today's the big scene. I'm gonna come." And he said it, and I went, "Oh shit! I like the way he just said that, man. I ah. do it that good." And then uh, that's great. I got in my head a little bit when I was doing that in the beginning when we were rehearsing. I was going, "Fuck, man! How the fuck did he say that?" And then I was like, "Oh fuck! Just do it your your own way." But he, Josh, did, did it funnier than me. I think that's hilarious. But uh, I think it. I think. You know, overall, you just knowing knowing your material, being free uh, in comedy, being free uh, in the the uh, serious stuff I've done. I come home just like the stand up man, just like the days I fucking was free and felt like I didn't get on my heels or start going like, oh, shit, I'm wasting the crew's time, or or uh, that's I don't feel like I got what the guy but the director was trying to get out of me those days. You're just like, fuck man, what a waste. I right. ruined that shit. And then, and then the, the days of being loose and even, even hearing, even hearing like a complaint from the director that night, just going, I think we could work with that. I, on the days, you know, you did good. You just go, you, you'll find something. I'm telling you, I did. Yeah. Good. But then there's that that other shit of eat, of eating it when you 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 and you can eat it during a, a serious movie and and know you ate it and just be like fuck I hope I hope they can cut around that shit or I hope they stay off me for that line or that kind of because I never I don't know if I ever got that right right what is your style on on set because we're talking about getting in that zone whether it's to do stand up yeah. or to nail. Uh, this is how I win. Like, that's a big moment. So it's right. like landing a big punchline. Are you loose in between takes? Are you talking to people? Are you trying to keep momentum? Or are you trying to keep reserves? Are you trying to be quiet and let your battery charge? Or sure. are you popping and, and talking and riffing and staying engaged or whatever? How are you uh, staying engaged? That, that uh, always is different for me. Whenever I have to do an emotional scene where I have to get upset, I really, I mean this in real life, I don't really get that upset. I don't cry that much. Happens like fucking every eight years or somewhere, I have a full on crying. So when they're in movies, oh, I have to ball crying. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tense that week. And like, oh, we're shooting that on Thursday. I'm like, God damn it, man. I hope I can do that. And I'm quiet that day. And I stay on my own and do my own thinking and do my own preparing. Uh, but the other days, I I I just try to um, know everything uh, about my character, so I feel comfortable in saying that's true to this person. And then uh, I can talk to crew members. I can talk to anybody. My, I like shooting the shit with other actors in character. Is fun to do. <laughs> I like staying in character. If they want to stay in character before going on the set and shoot the scene, that's a nice feeling. That's nice. I like that. It brings you into it, you know, uh, uh, where you're both on the same page and getting deep together and or whatever. That, that's a nice feeling. Or fuck you. You're in a, you're along. Your mind's going to wander throughout a day. There's sometimes where you're not focused and somebody would just go, Hey, wake the fuck up. You're about to shoot the scene, man. You're just like, Oh yeah, just give me a little 
a few minutes here. I got to fucking right back in there. So what? What? It's it's different every day for me. I forget who said it, but somebody somebody said it on this podcast. An actor was like, "If I'm in a scene, oh, it was Will Smith. It, Will Smith didn't do the podcast, but somebody said that when there are women on set." he comes alive in a way that I, I just feel like is almost genetic. Like you, like what I'm saying is oh, yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking of asking you is in a scene where there's nine people, like this scene where Kevin Garnett breaks the glass, you have a little bit of an audience. So you're getting more feedback. Is that easier sure. for you? You know, yeah, yeah it's um, that in comedy, when I'm doing a, a comedy, that makes me want to kill harder for whoever is around there. When I'm doing a movie, you know, I haven't done that many, but when I do a serious movie, that can kind of hurt me a little bit where I, I the, the comedian in me goes, oh, I want everyone to fucking react to this shit. And right. then uh, I just got to calm down and just say, all right, let me just remember who my character is and what he's going for. But Howard Ratner in, in Uncut Gems, the, the Safdie brothers, they they totally wanted him to be like a comic where he hears everybody and he's fucking playing to the back of the room and he wants everybody, the attention on him. So right. it, it was like a comedic energy that, that I, I could go for. That's the, that's the salesman of him. Like when, when he's yeah. selling the Opal over the video, I'm like, that's sort of got the cadence of, of telling a joke. Like there's something. Yes. Like yes. A storyteller, just like, yeah. listen to me. I'm going to kind of say a story now. Yeah, I'm a little quieter, so I bring you in, and you got to hear everything. It's a long fucking story, but you right, right, every word that's so important. What I'm saying right now, right? I this is a weird thing to say, but there's something very uh, the Jewish people about that, like being able to tell an engaging story. Oh yeah, that's like a dinner table of all of a sudden a guy, a Jewish guy, all of a sudden talking about when I was a kid, there was a, this, there was this Italian guy. I'm hearing about old Brooklyn right now. Yes. I, you're right. I think it's funny that you said Italian because I, different cultures have it in different ways, but I think there's, there's something specifically funny. I, I grew up in a school, all my teachers were Jewish. So I was very familiar with that, like way of making something opals and 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 african jewish people shouldn't necessarily be interesting but there's a way of talking almost like it's a secret they talk like it's a secret and they lure you in this is just a recipe you just give me a recipe and uh we lost we don't have that we learned that we're faking it that's really fun Good, man um, but when I think about the difference of the characters, not not to be too serious, this is just a chat, but like yeah. I was watching, I'm sorry, his name is again in Uncut Gems? Uh, ha- Howard Ratner. Howard, that's right. right. Howard has a different smile. Like he has a different, his, his resting face is different. Yes, yeah, more, those guys came up with that. They, gave, they, they, they put the earring on me, gave me a mole, put teeth in me. I have, you know, I have wearing uh, a plate the, the whole movie. Oh, wow. My hair differently and uh, automatically you're going to feel like a different person. And yeah, the resting face is a little uh, teethy and yes, listen, and I, it was nice to not be afraid to look, look ugly in a movie. It was really a great feeling. But then if you look at Punch Drunk, that character, and I've known people, I have people in my family that, and I relate to that character as well the way he walks is different. It's more, it's the way that your character walks is a little bit clowny. There's something 
vulnerable uh-huh. about it. His feet sort of point out, and it's right, right. You feel worried about him. You're like, sure, sure, protect yeah. your neck. Whereas this guy, I feel like he's ready for someone to jump on him and throw him off because he's from yeah, the streets. Yeah, he's confident in, in a big, big character, right? And is that, I have to imagine, I think on Gems, they had you shadowing real people. I'm wondering a little bit about your process of like, are you going full Stanislavski? Are you going like, what does this guy walk like? How does he drive? How does he, are you thinking, how does he push the button on his phone? How does he take a picture? I know when I do do that, it's, I feel better. When I I feel feel like everything uh, I'm doing is thinking about, being being good in the scene and where he came from and what he was thinking and I'll tell you the Safdie brothers they gave me just these massive texts of my backstory and just Whoa. where it came from like so a lot of times you come up with your own backstory and it's pretty legitimate in your head these guys gave me such huge things to think about what led me to become this guy and what relationships with other people were like in their history that oh, wow. I came into the scene just a little more uh, confident about what I'm feeling and, and how I would be in this situation. And Wow. I'm not surprised. Those guys, those guys are incredible in detail and thinking and never just never saying like your first thought. They always come up with like, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's true or maybe this. Like they they this all over everything. They keep it going. They yes and the idea and, and take it to the next conclusion. That's great. Yes, yes. What about old P.T. Anderson, who's one of my favorites? Is he is he giving you backstory? Uh, absolutely. And and uh, he's a comedian. He's, he's he's funny as shit. Yeah, I've met him at, at Largo. I know he's yeah. into the scene. He loves comedy and he loves and his father uh, was involved with uh, comedy and like funny, funny as hell. And, and Tim Conway was a big part of PTA's life his dad and Tim were best friends and uh so he he knows the comedy uh a world very well and then when we were on the set Barry Egan uh in in that movie and Punch Drunk was is a he I think PTA wanted him to be a funny guy to watch and 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 yeah. put upon and all the shit's happening to him and uh he 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 gave me that rhythm. He told is he, but if you're, I always think of the scene where you break the window, which is a very, very, very moving scene for me. Right. You, you have the sisters and yeah. they're, they're putting on you and, and they're definitely poking at you in these ways that we know. Yeah. You definitely get a sense that you're being poked at in ways that we don't know as well. Uh-huh. And that is something, is that a way that it sounds like, again, I feel like you've already answered this, but you do do that work to prepare, to think about what the guy might be like beyond what's on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 also that that uh, PTA that meant a lot to him the the, the sisters of it all and <laughs> yeah, he he would, he he told me yeah, yeah, that it's exactly what the scene is. It's just the sisters not really hearing his thoughts and and uh, where he's at or not being able to read that it's bothering him and yeah, get to himself and then finally explodes and instead everyone going oh my god are you okay it's just like you fucking ass i like yeah like they don't they don't let up on it and shit i and that was all pta man he led me down that and and allowed me to be confident i i kept going he i remember pta would come to my house a lot we sit together and discuss the script and discuss each scene and wow. what it meant to him and then eventually i 
try to either do what he was saying or get my own version of it in my brain and, and try to come across that way. That's really, really A lot cool. of times you just land on saying uh, in a serious movie, a line, you say it, you say it just like a, com- a comic. You say the line right and it feels right and looks right. And, and in your head, you're like, I don't know if I was feeling anything on that one. But the uh, director's like, that's exactly what I was going for. Then you, you're, you're happy. But yeah. it's best when you're feeling it and fucking like you did on your show. You, you, did, you did legitimate uh, shit happening to you in real life and heartbreaking stuff. And when you did those scenes and you fucking allowed yourself the time to really feel it, you walked away that night going, fuck, I nailed it today. Uh, that's really the nice of you. Say. When you just get by and you go, you can piece that shit together. It'll look like what I was trying to say. It doesn't feel as good in your head, but it, it, it's effective, right? Oh, my God. Dude, I bet we're the same when I watch movies now. If I'm seeing how they're editing it, if, yeah. like, it's a key scene and an important scene, and as you said earlier, they're not on the person a lot, I'm like, they didn't have it. They didn't have it. Like, you, you, right, right. you see it's from their back. It's like, why is this important scene shot over his shoulder? And you can tell it's ADR. And it's like, because that guy, he did, it's, God bless him. Or that woman didn't feel it that day. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then, and then there were guys like PTA and, and great directors that purposely go, nah, I didn't want to show. Like I did a movie with Noah Baumbach. Who yes. Was incredible. One of my favorite movies. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, thank you. It's thank incredible. You. I, lo- I love that movie. And I did a scene with Ben Stiller where we're fighting on the... Um, on the lawn. On the lawn, and I, a, I, yes. and I love that scene. I love it when I read it. I was like, "Oh, this is exciting!" And, and I think the first scene, I first take, I fucking didn't try to, but all of a sudden I got carried away, and I think I was really crying the whole scene. And blah blah, I was like, "Oh!" At the end of it, I was like, "Shit!" I was really crying a lot during that scene. I, I, it never happened to me before. That's good. Uh, and then I remember uh, Noah going, "That was really good." Uh, and let's just just do it again. And let's 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 not cry. And Baba is like, oh shit! I thought I was supposed to. Yeah. Right. And you know, you you're emotional, but you're upset and you're mad and blah blah blah. And then I was like, this guy's gonna see the crying take and go, oh, that's actually interesting. Blah blah. Ah. Watch the movie. He was like, nah, we don't fucking. Dude, that is so. Lauren Lapkus, who's in that new movie you have. Let's. What is it called? With Spade. Oh, the wrong Missy. The wrong Missy, which looks yeah. amazing. She's hilarious. She's she did. Hilarious. She's hilarious. She did a scene with me in Crashing, which was unbelievable, and she was crying the whole time. And yeah. I was like, "How is she even doing this?" And it's so crazy. The director was like, "Let's do one where you don't cry." And I was like, "You and I probably like her." I was like, "You got to use the crying one. This is incredible." <laughs> yeah. But that's just because that is the most impressive thing and maybe the most emotional experience for the act. Some people can go, all right, you need to cry. Here you go. Well, that was Madeline wise that she played my girlfriend in season three and she could just turn on. It was, it was insane, but it's similar to comedy. If you're getting laughs in video village, that usually means it's not that funny to everyone. It can can mean that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 You you have certain people come to you and go, that was hilarious. When Bubba and you go, oh shit, no, that was the corniest thing I ever did. Yeah. You sort of want it to be mildly quiet on set. That's funny. Uh, The, 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 legitimate the 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 movies the serious movies i fucking trust the director because like i that's not really what i'm uh the most confident in watching a full movie 
Yeah. Sometimes Judd will talk to me about that too. Just like, I thought that was too much when they did this. And I'm like, oh, I, kind of, I thought that was like the best part. But I like like real connoisseurs. And, and, and when I hear these great directors talk, they have the same shit that we know about comedy with what's hacky. They yeah. say some shit in, in the serious movies hacky that I had no idea was hacky. I'm like, oh. I, right. I kind of like, like that shit. You can't like their uh, I'm trying my best is our airline peanuts. Like you can't do it. (laughs) You can't do it. Who wrote the, uh, the Byron Myron song that felt so Sandler to me talking about the Meyerowitz stories. I think so. I think, um, I think we both did. No, me, we were just riffing me and Noah were just riffing on, uh, on the set, making each other laugh. He's fucking funny as shit. Oh, I, there's no way funny because yeah, he's i mean he's a genius and he's so funny and he's so yeah. uh, cool on the byron the byron song we would i think we just were singing that to to each other thing <laughs> <laughs> and he goes hey i think uh, we'll use that in the movie i think that's what happened wow that makes me so happy i relate to that movie so hard i want to make this about me but i sent my brother that movie and i was like this is our family really i my dad dad in in the arts my dad's not in the arts, but he's sort of, I don't know how to say this without, you know, shit talking him, but there's a little bit of a, of a self-involvement that, that a lot of men right, right. have that when I was watching that, I was like, God, I'm stiller. Cause I'm like an achiever. I'm the guy that's like, I beat you. I beat you. Look how fa- <laughs> and, and my brother is uh, portrayed really beautifully by you, which is this beautiful guy that's looking for connection with the weird achieving brother. We just didn't have the sister. We could have benefited from that sister uh-huh. character. Yeah, right, him. right. Wow, man. But the scene that cracks me up or, or, or cracks me like crying is when Stiller goes, I beat you, I beat you. Oh, and yeah, like, oh. yeah. And when you guys fight, I was oh, like, they God. need you needed to roll around and like get it out so you could love oh. each other. It's a yeah, fucking yeah, masterpiece. Sure. It's so yeah, good. Thank you. I mean, that's all Noah and Stiller is great. And Stiller, holy shit. Stiller can cry like that. No kidding. He's incredible at that too. He's, he's, he's excellent. He's excellent. I used to, I used to have a bit about that where I was like anyone other than an actor that can just cry and convince you that someone in their family just died, but they didn't. That's a sociopath. You should stay, <laughs> like, stay away from that person. I don't trust that person. Buddy, I always get the feeling I'm nuts for not being able to cry or not crying in real life. Uh, I saw I saw a movie because my kids always go, Dad, what do you look like when you cry? What do you look like? And I'm always like, I don't know. They're like, they saw a click and click. I cry, and they're like, "You do that face?" I'm like, "I guess." And, <laughs> uh, and then we were watching uh, uh, that movie Lion the other night. Yeah, Lion from a few years ago. Sure. And uh, I was because I was having a meeting with the director, and so I wanted to watch Lion. I never saw it, and I watched it with my kids, and I started crying, man. And then I go, as I'm crying, I go, "Hey, everybody, everybody, take a look, Daddy!" <laughs> and, and I had massive tears. And they were looking at me like, that's how you cry? Like, they oh. Were like oh, Dad, that's how you cry? I don't know. Are you really crying? I was just like, all right, I'm not crying. I was <laughs> they weren't impressed. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that so much. I, I know uh, they said we have an hour. Uh, do you have a little extra time or oh, should oh, we get yeah, out of here? We'd just be remiss if we didn't get a little bit of the flavor of the podcast, which is we talk about the, the meaning of life. We talk about weird stuff. So I'm going to ask you, because you never know, 
I don't know if you know Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback. Sure. He did the podcast. And I was just like, you ever see a UFO? He tells me a great UFO story. Wow. So now I'm always like, hey, you ever seen a ghost? You ever almost die? You yes. ever see a UFO? Anything you can't explain that's happened in your life? A psychic that told you, Adam, do this, and you did it, and it worked, or whatever. Anything like that? Psychic, I had a... Uh... I had a uh, woman, me and my friends went to Hampton Beach in high school and uh, four of us went into a psychic and everybody was getting great reads about their life and what's to come. We were in a, it was a group one. The lady was going around and blah, 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 blah. And I was in there watching. And then the lady uh, says, she grabs my knee and she goes, do you have a motorcycle? I said, yeah. I had a motorcycle when I was a kid. I go, yeah. She goes, you're going to to lose this leg, and she she, she held my right knee to lose that leg, and everyone's like, he is. I was just like, no, I'm not. A blah blah blah, and eh, eh, never happened so far. But I have to tell you, oh my it god, it's on my mind every fucking time I'm on a motorcycle, or I'm like. I'm not going to fucking lose my leg right You now. kept doing it? I would be so scared. I would never do it. I would never do it. Yeah. That is hilarious. Well, what about, I know you uh, were raised Jewish. Were you religious growing up? I, I'm, I'm also just interested in Adam today. Yeah. yeah. You got, you we're over Zoom. You got the planet behind you. I love that because I love oh, yeah, remembering. That, that's my kid put it up there. I got no idea how to take it down. So it's no, it's. It, I love looking at it because we're floating in infinity, and it was a galaxy thing. Which which my daughter <laughs> we had a bat mitzvah. She goes, it's going to be galaxy uh, themed, and I was like, what the what the fuck is galaxy themed? And I was <laughs> like, when did you start liking the galaxy? I didn't know what the fuck you were talking about, but <laughs> but and, that's where we are. And I want to know how you reconcile that. What story do you tell in your mind? Are we in a purposeful universe? Is this chaos? No wrong answer. There's no judgment here. Right. I'm just wondering if you have any higher power. Any? Yeah. Yes, anything. I, I totally, totally. Uh, um, I don't know if I'm talking to God, my dad. Uh, it's either one of those guys. Uh, I, well, my little talk. Either way, you call him father. You're fine. I, I, I just don't say a name, but I'm either talking to my, my dad or God a lot just after I do something silly or if I'm uh, nervous about something, I always go to that in my head. Yes. Um, um, the, Sorry, Adam. I'm just sending my wife a text to, to ask the gardener not to uh, get loud in the backyard while we're talking. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe you should. It's. It's. I don't have anything great that I'm going to say, but maybe he. No, should. I'm sorry. I, I, I've been. I, I hate when people text. That's what that was. So you. So, but you have a. So you have a connection. Your father passed. Right. And and you still feel. You feel him. I always talk to my dad, but when my father was alive, I was talking to God a lot in my in my room and always, always, uh, you know, whining about something or looking for help and something. I don't know what I was looking for, but I do talk to God. I, I certainly do that. And my, uh, and I'm Jewish. I don't go to temple that much. I go to temple when it happens. I'm happy, but it's usually the, the, the big holidays or, or, uh, when my, or 
you know, when my kids were growing up, we went to a nursery school at a temple. So that was nice. I got a lot of temple in there. But when I'm there, it always feels good. But it's not something that happens a lot. And um, and I just, I, anybody's religion, I'm always just like, I, I understand it. I'm like, okay, good. You, it helps you. It helps you feel calm or it connects you to your family. That's what it does for me. It connects me to my my family, my grandparents, my growing up, that kind of stuff. So I guess that's my number one. Uh, of course, I mean, I mean, the, the, the Jewish faith has that in spades. I mean, Passover has that built sure. in. Um, yeah. When it comes to your personal feeling, like the, just the, the miracle of life, what do you think is going on here? Do you spend a lot of time going like, what the fuck is this? I mean, you woke up today and all the past that, that's happened is sort of irrelevant. It's just a memory. Like, this is a miracle not just that we're talking over the internet, that we're here and that we know that we're here. And like I said, that we're floating in space. Do you yeah. think death is the end? Do you think there's something benevolent behind this? Any, any approach? Oh man, that's, that's good. Uh, I, I just kind of live it. I'm there. I don't question too much when you, you bring stuff up like that though. It's a nice feeling to think about other shit going on in the world uh, outside of, our world, you know, other planets, other, uh, other, other people uh, thinking differently than us or uh, whoever's out there in the world. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just kind of live it every day. It is remarkable, the world and all the stuff that happens and all the technology that's happening and, and the closeness and the, also the, the people that no matter what's going to happen are going to hate each other. I think about that on occasion. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm always kind of looking for happiness, looking for my family to have happiness, be safe. Um, but it's, it's not a constant thing going on. It just, just lands upon moments where I go, oh, fuck, man, please this, please that. But uh, yeah. uh, I, I, What about I, when, you're, when you're creating, Adam? I'm sorry. I, I just, a lot of the creative people I talk to, when they're in that flow and stuff is just coming out of them, does it, does that ever feel like from uh, another place? Like a Zen kind of feeling. No, there are pockets where all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking uh, better or clearer or fresher in, in my home. You know, the way I, I think is fresher or landing on better shit. I don't know what that is, um, but it's just, just uh, certain waves where I'm fucking, uh, Feeling, feeling it more than other times. And then, uh, man, I, I, I just, it, it's luck in my head. It's, it's, it's my surroundings. If shit's going okay everywhere else, my family, when my family's in a good mood, when the kids are happy, when my wife's feeling great, I definitely kick a lot more ass. <laughs> I, I, when that's off, I can shut down and be like, fuck. I can be on a movie set and hear something that, father and one of my kids uh something happened in school i fucking suck all of a sudden i can't concentrate i can't get any of my thoughts right so i think you know my mom my brother my two sisters the, the cousins the nephews and nieces when shit's going well with everybody when my wife's family's lined up well i definitely am more uh creative yeah it's off i i i remember those moments when i'm creative and i can talk about that but when that's actually going on i don't fucking jump into shit i kind of lose my mind 
But you've never like been writing a script and just been like, where did that come from? Like that just felt like inspired or like it wasn't you? Yes, but I also usually think like, who did I just rip off? Then? <laughs> <laughs> you else must have said that. You don't go to the master of the universe. You just like, <laughs> that must have been uh, Colin Quinn. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. a ju- and what about an afterlife? Are you open to that potential? Uh, yeah, 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 I am. But I want there to be. It's funny, Pete, when my dad was dying, and we were in the hospital and we were alone. It was like three days before he passed away. I said, me and him were in the room. I said, so, uh, uh, you think, uh, and he goes, what? That there's a heaven? I go, yeah. He goes, I don't fucking know. I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny one. But like, wow. I go like, well, maybe blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I don't fucking know. He was like scared. Like, what the fuck are you asking me that for? I don't yeah. know what's about to happen, man. Yeah, just because you're dying doesn't make you more qualified to know that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I don't know is a wonderful answer. I know that that might not sound true, but I mean it. Faith has been made to mean certainty. When the more that I study and the more that I learn, faith actually means your ability to to wrestle with the tension of uncertainty and to, and to rest in the mystery. So your dad was right on the money and, and believe it or not, your attitude, I would take that a thousand times over someone being like, Pete, there's definitely a heaven. I have proof. Here's a book. Like like, who, who needs it? It's so funny. Anybody who has that way of, here's what you got to do. Here's the way it is. I'm always just like, how the fuck does this guy know all this shit? Yeah. 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 I'm wishy-washy, man. I'm all over. I'm like, Maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. I don't know. I, I, I ultimately want to do good things. I know over the years I've done a lot of stupid things. I've said a lot of shit that I look back at. I go, oh, fuck, why would I say that? But I know moment to moment I'm trying to do the right thing. I, I feel better when I say stuff that doesn't hurt people I, I, or makes people feel good. I love that. Yeah. It doesn't happen every time. Well, that's funny. That's one of the things that came up in, in my, you know, albeit mild research of you was was that when your friends have successes you're the type of guy that's like let's go to red lobster we're celebrating your success right right right. you like to keep the momentum of good stuff going and moving between your group and you're very loyal it would be weird if you said this but it's true i know you to be a very loyal guy and a very generous guy so that to me can be an expression of your understanding of the universe that could be that certainly might might connect to that. I, I appreciate that. The big table, the banquet. Banquet, yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to seeing him in that banquet one day. And that Dave Rath, I know he's he's fucking yeah, a big part of your life, and he was such a huge part of all our lives. Uh, and he, me and Apatow always loved him, and my whole crew loved Rath. And he's, I know, man, when we would do a. Uh, uh, stand up and, and it was midnight and the improv was closed and maybe one in the morning we'd all end up at Rath's apartment it was the best I can't really I can't imagine well I mean isn't that what funny people is the prank phone calls was you guys just hanging out sure yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and was a huge part of our life there's yeah. a million things I could ask you but the only thing uh, I have to ask we ask every guest is can you think of a time in your life and it doesn't have to be the best one but can you think of a time you laughed really really hard uh, a time when you cried laughing, you're on the floor laughing. Who yeah. were you with? Wh- how old are you? 
what what are some what's a memory that comes to mind when I ask that? Uh, me and my dad in Temple had the nervous laughs one time at a, a woman was up <laughs> on uh, the, talking to the Temple about something, and again she couldn't say her uh, her R is great, and it was very <laughs> very uh, killed the Radner, and me and my father got the nervous giggles, and we were laughing for about three minutes in Temple. I remember that. I church and temple and any religious structure is where yeah. the best I've gotten Zach Alfanakis, his story uh, was someone yeah. who blew out their candle or <laughs> telling a story that at the end of a song, you were supposed to blow out his candle, but his dad's candle also a dad went out and then he spent the whole song trying to get it lit. And he finally <laughs> got it lit when you were supposed to blow it out. I was like church. The best. Uh, yeah, the, the pressure's on, so I guess a uh, big laugh is, is not supposed to happen. Yeah. I love that. And I, uh, one other thing before we go, is there a Farley memory you want to share? Because when you were talking about the things that go wrong on SNL, I was thinking about Farley's first week. He's on Weekend Update, and uh, it's Dennis Miller. I believe it was his first week. And he ran onto a spaceship, and his, and his pants fall down. And isn't it funny? He might have done it on purpose, but we saw his ass. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. there's something that wasn't in the script. There's something that wasn't right, necessarily yeah, supposed yeah. to happen. And it's like the best part. Is there any, I love what you did for Farley in your special. Yeah, yeah, sure. I Is mean, there any? I'll tell you, I, I, I can't think of one in particular, but as a comedian, uh, and me and you were discussing the moods of going on stage and getting right in the right frame of mind, he, he came on, I'd say, 99% in the right frame of to kill. Wow. Like, like he never, I never saw him in the whole time on the show be like, well, I'm nervous. Like he's always <laughs> like, let's, let, he had a killer thing about him. He was yeah. careful. His dress rehearsal live. It was no difference. He was, and when we rehearsed, he'd go full tilt. He just liked crushing. Yeah. Like, he, a, liked, he like, reminds me of like a football player. He was just like, he's just sure. going to go yeah. out and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he used to have that mentality of calling a writer like feeling like they were the coach, and and because he played high school football and stuff, and uh, yeah, he was a great athlete, and uh, yeah, yes sir, he used to say yes sir a lot when people would give him a no, like yes sir, yes sir, okay, he got it done, he got it done, he was a legitimate uh, superstar. Well, Adam, thank you so much. We went a little, we did go over the time, and I appreciate you taking that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you, Pete. I'm glad we got this done. Man, been trying to do it a long time. I appreciate I know. you. You've been wanting me to be on the show. You've been a dream guest since I started, and I'm such a huge fan. You're killing Your special's incredible. Everybody check it out. Is it 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes? It's got to be. I don't know. I don't know, but it, certainly that, that title helped me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Thank you. We have the guests say, keep it crispy. That's how we end every episode. If you would give us a keep it crispy. Please. Please pick up the phone. <laughs> please. Please keep, keep it crisp, crispy. Oh, my God. Keep it crispy. Now. The, the first over the phone ring, keep it crispy. I'm sorry, man. I'm it's all good. Yeah, it's it's definitely Apatow. <laughs> Relentlessly not hanging up, just like he's there. I know it. Oh uh, my god! Not, okay, thank you, Adam. Stay right, safe, you, stay you, healthy. If you didn't get that, okay, you right. keep it crispy. Thank you, brother. Later, bro. Thank you. Be good. See ya. Bye bye. Say hi to your family too. Goodbye. I will, Bell. Bye.
crisp it. My ice game make you haters wanna get mad. Come on, stay.